0: Hello everyone, this is Victoria with Simply Grand and welcome to Simply Grand's podcast. Simply Grand is all things fun for today's contemporary grandparents while honoring the ancestors. Thanks for tuning in. This week's podcast is brought to you by MIST, Mothers of Incarcerated Sons and Daughters. MIST has been an advocacy support group that has assisted families and persons dealing with incarceration and re-entry into the community in Kansas City, Missouri for over 10 years. This organization continues to be the lifeline for those who are seeking answers in dealing with the judicial system in regards to their loved one. Currently, MIST is raising funds to assist production of a virtual art show featuring artworks rendered by incarcerated artists and the inventory of their art is amazing. The show is coming soon, so please stay tuned for details. To make a financial contribution, you can visit misdkc.org, that's misdkc.org, or you can call 816-337-5876. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello to the Simply Grand audience. I hope all is well with you and you're continuing to stay safe out there. Today is Thursday. I'm your host, Victoria. And on today's show, I speak with Shadi IS, Democratic candidate for the United States House of Representatives in Virginia's 5th District. You'll hear Shadi's story from being born in Beirut, Lebanon, to moving to America, to now running for office. And you will also hear his plan for the 5th District. For more information and to sign up for the email list, you can visit his website at as2022.com. That's A-Y-Y-A-S-2022.com. In addition, if you would like to donate any amount, You can do so at secure.actblue.com forward slash donate forward slash A-Y-Y-A-S-2022. So after this quick break, you'll hear our discussion. Oh,
1: yes, how are you?
0: Um, well, how are you?
1: Good. Finally, we're connected. Now we know, right?
0: <laughs> now we know. Now we know. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and welcome to the Simply Grand podcast. How are you tonight?
1: Great. Thank you for your invitation.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, this opportunity to talk to you today. You know, the Simply Grand audience are made up of baby boomers. Gen Xers and some Gen Ys who's politically engaged, who want to hear about those who's running for office, to know the platforms that you guys are running on and what you bring to the table as a candidate so they'll be able to make that important decision on who to vote for when it's time. And even though the midterms aren't until next year in 2022, it's never too early to start making the media rounds. So again, I truly appreciate you, doing the time with you. And um, so let's dive in, and because I want you to be able to have time to discuss your platform and everything, so I will allow you to introduce yourself.
1: First, thank you for inviting me, and I'm really excited. Okay, uh, so briefly, like uh, my name is Shadia. Yes, I was born in Lebanon uh, in July 12 on July 12, 1972, in Beirut uh, during our civil war. And now I'm a Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in the Virginia 5th District. Uh, I'm challenging Bob Good, uh, who was a Republican, uh, a rookie, just won this uh, in 2020, basically. Uh, My father, basically, Milham, was was a building construction developer, and uh, my mother, Samira, she was a homemaker. my parents uh, taught me uh, the values of generosity, honesty, and and, and courage. Uh, growing up in a war zone was not easy, and uh, my first memories of the 1975 uh, civil war in Lebanon was hearing uh, gunshots, uh, being being extremely scared, and, and hiding under our living room table. Uh, so shortly after that. Uh, my life changed forever while my father was driving, uh, you know, our American uh, made blue old mobile with blue leather seats, uh, driving me home in and, and, and the uh, Mount Lebanon area. Bombs start dropping around my car, our car basically, uh, to our uh, summer house in Shuf area in Mount Lebanon. Uh, my father, my mother, and my, myself—we were in the car. Uh, extremely, we got extremely scared. Uh, however, uh, I, I, I reminisce my father being extremely brave, uh, you know, trying to save uh, save us on that day. So uh, this memory was was etched into my mind, uh, and and I never forgot, uh, forgotten this experience. So uh, uh, because uh, these experiences uh, permanently changed my life. Uh, and are the main reason uh, why I went into medicine, strongly anti-war, and I always try my
0: best. You were anti-war now because of that experience?
1: Yes, exactly. Right, right. So this memory was etched into my mind, uh, and is the main reason why I went into medicine, and I'm strongly anti-war. And I always worked to support peace negotiations uh, before sending our soldiers into war. Uh, so this is basically my, my, my background as a child. Uh, sh- shortly, basically, uh, even during the Civil War, you know, ch- children went to school. So uh, at four years old, I joined uh, kindergarten at the 7th Adventist Elementary School in Beirut. And uh, that was great experience as well, going to church uh, Acting at Christmas uh, Eve, uh, having a lot of friends from different backgrounds, and also attended the Beirut Baptist High School, graduating in 1990. Uh, after that, I uh, started my college education at the American University of Beirut with a focus on um, uh, medical studies and geology, graduating with Bachelor of Science and and, and uh, again, you know during the uh, college studies, my. my uh, my world is always affected by living in a civil war. Uh, finally, I moved to the United States uh, to join my family, uh, my brothers and uh, cousins, uh, also to pursue my dream, becoming a medical doctor. Uh, so I joined the SMR School of Medicine, uh, chartered in New Zealand, and I graduated in 1999, mm. the last century. Uh, then after that, I moved to Washington, D.C., uh, and Northern Virginia area, where I volunteered for the uh, Veteran Affairs Medical Center. Uh, and then I, after that, uh, I uh, did, uh, uh, continued my internship in internal medicine and uh, at Methodist Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, with Ohio Health, uh, which I learned a lot. And and, uh, and then after that, I did my primary care, uh, started my primary care residency at UConn uh, in, in Farmington, uh, So, after finishing my medical studies, uh, I, uh, in 2005, 2005, end of it, again, my, my life changed uh, when I fell in love with my wife, Abir. Uh, she was a Lebanese national, uh, and then I was uh, with the United Arab Emirates, I mean, I was with the U.S. Embassy uh, mission in Abu Dhabi as a medical doctor. I was a general practitioner for the embassy staff Uh American veterans, uh, expats, and other uh, nationalities in in Abu Dhabi. So we started long-distance relationship and then uh, our love for each other blossomed into marriage and and, uh, uh, I've been married with Abir since 2006 and uh, shortly after marrying, again, my story with wars is uh, while we were visiting our family in Lebanon, uh, another war broke out in 2006 out of nowhere and then uh, both Javier and I, you know, were evacuated by the U.S. Marines out of Lebanon, uh, the biggest evacuation of American citizens in history, 36,000 people oh, wow. were having, uh, yeah, they were having a uh, vacation, a uh, great summer vacation in Lebanon, and out of a sudden, war broke out again, uh, so uh, that's, I'm all, that's why I'm always for peace. Then after I, la- I, I left the U.S. Embassy, and then uh, at that point in the UAE, I was having a great relationship with doctors. Uh, I, have, uh, I was the president uh, of uh, the primary care section division in American uh, Gulf Medical Center Diagnostic Center Hospital in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, I'm sorry, and then uh, uh, after that, in 2013, uh, me and Abir, we moved back to the great United States, to the great uh, Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, where I started working again, and as as a as a private practitioner, I was a medical director uh, with uh, uh, Medics USA. I did. Uh, I was a medical director again, uh, two years in Ohio, uh, for. Uh, community health centers, Med Express, you name it. Now, currently, and I did some work with the Veteran Evaluation Services for four years serving our veterans oh. as a compensation and uh, disability consultants, uh, which I, 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 uh, I spend a lot of time with them, uh, listening to their stories. Many of them, they were like, uh, had uh, disabilities serving our, their, our country with great honor with the greatest sacrifice. Uh, so currently I'm the regional medical director uh, for a correctional health services company for jails and prisons in Virginia. I, I medically direct uh, 38 different sites in four different states in Virginia, as uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I provide uh, medical services to inmates, uh, correction officers, I do some occupational Physical exams uh, to anyone who wants to join the, uh, the Department of Justice or the Department of Corrections, as a CEO, and also some employees and staff, managerial staffs. So, I, I basically did a lot of uh, work w- with with the with the with the uh, the Department of Justice, and I tell you what the uh, the service I gave to them. Uh, all, all my patients, inmates, or uh, police officers, correction officers, diplomats, uh, Virginia retirees or uh, middle-class Virginians and families, was top quality health care mm-hmm. uh, with full compassion uh, regardless of uh, crime committed, uh, race, ethnic background, and uh, uh, gender or sexual orientation, or even religious affiliation. Uh, this is a uh, how I was raised, my parents, uh, I was blessed, uh, I say, twice in my life. The first time I was born to great parents, uh, my dad was, was a genuine man uh, with the genuine values. Uh, and my mother, she was a homemaker. They taught me honesty and integrity and uh, courage. And again, I'm blessed again when I met President Obama in Washington, D.C., in one of our organizing Correction Summits, and I high-fived him. That was really a, a turning point in my life, <laughs> which pushed me into politics. Uh, well, well uh, that's basically me and my background. And There's a lot of stories I, mean, I can share right now, but uh, we're just going to keep it and go with the flow. I don't want to keep talking. I'm just going to give you back and, uh, to, to ask me any questions that people are interested to hear.
0: No, no, that's great. Oh, absolutely. And if any stories that you want to share, please do so. Uh, This is very interesting of your background and um, how you made that transition and are making that transition from medical doctor to decide to run for office. So with that said, um, was the fact that you had those experiences and combined with working for organi- Organizing for Action. And for those of you who don't know, Organizing for Action, uh, generally known as OFA, was President Obama's um, organization, which was comprised of army of uh, volunteers who uh, we used to go to uh, rallies, hold rallies, organize rallies, right. visit elected officials. And really supported his agenda, like climate change, health care, gun violence reform, immigration reform, women's rights, and a whole host of others. So all of those experiences that you had, was that the catalyst of you jumping into running for office, throwing your hat in the ring?
1: Exactly. Exactly right. That's what exactly happened. To be frank with you, even before organizing for action, I... uh, you know being with the us embassy at the state department missions in and in, in various countries i met ambassador charles manhathe uh, if uh, he was like a father figure to me and he gave me a lot of advice we became friends i was young uh, at that point and he was uh, i met him in 2000 and he was basically previously he served as a dnc democratic national committee chair in 1984 mm-hmm. And uh, he was a great man with great values. Before Ambassador Charles Manette, I didn't like politics because I was, you know, raised in a war. I saw corruption in politics, uh, politicians in the Middle East and various countries. Uh, and and the the the, the first uh, man who really uh, influenced me uh, politically was was Ambassador Charles Manette, Socially and. You was my father. His compass was always a humanitarian compass. And he was even, he was a builder in, 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 in a war zone, imagine. And he used to tell me, son, this world is divided between two forces, those who build and those who destroy. Oh. And, and thank God your father is a builder and not a destroyer. And I used to complain a little bit, like, time, I'm going to share this story with you. Uh, I was going to school, middle school. Uh, and then uh, my middle school was like half a mile away from our house uh, in, in Beirut, uh, Moussaite area, which is a Baptist school. And, and we always used to go to church uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. They teach us about loving each other, caring for each other. And, and uh, we are one big family as, 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 as a humanitarian family, no matter what is the background. And, and this was a peaceful time, even though I was raised in a war zone. So one time I was like uh, crossing the street, coming to my school and rockets flew above my head. Mm. I was, and landed half a mile away from me in the second, uh, basically, intersection. And I was so scared. So I, I, I ran back home, went to the sixth floor, knocked at the door and my father heard the rocket and then he, with his usual smile, I mean, he was a very positive man. He opened the door with me with a big smile and his face, shining eyes. He said, I think there's no school today. Uh, and I was like, he was, he said it in a very calm way, you know? And then I was like scared and angry and upset. And I said, what are you doing? Let's go and leave, you know, and, and enough is enough because I was a little one. And then I have to be with my parents while my brothers were studying.
0: Oh, go yeah. So
1: to continue my story is like being the little one, I have to stay with my parents. And then he looked at me with that big shining smile and he said, this question do you like our he was doing projects and, and he doesn't want to leave people in the limbo he had the workers he had employees right engineers and then they have children and it was a war zone there is no guaranteed income and he was doing his best trying to support other people because he's a gen- he was a genuine man uh and he i said yes of course i i, I love them. he asked me do you love the children of the, our employees? I said, of course, I, I play with them. They're like my friends, right? He said, imagine if we're going to leave everything now and then leave them in a limbo where there's no income in a war zone, how are they going to survive? And then the story of builders and destroyers came to him and he said, you know, thank God your father is a builder and not a destroyer. That moment I felt like, oh my God, I'm so lucky to have such uh, father who has who has this, uh, these values and share hope and love to, to humanity in general. So this is basically was my social uh, background, my first conviction in life to be uh, always on the right side of history with a humanitarian compass. The political compass uh, basically came when I met Ambassador Charles Manat. I used to talk to him. We became friends, hanging out, and then he used to tell me about stories in, in, in his back. He was from California, a successful lawyer. And he used, to think, he used to call me a doctor all the time. Hey, doctor, what do you think? You know, what's going on? And I always say, <laughs> all right. So there's a big difference in age. You know, I, there's like maybe 35 difference, but uh, 35 years uh, difference in age. But we were like, we shared values. And then he used to tell me, no, you have to get involved. And he gave me an example about Washington, D.C., how it used to be like art. Uh, a city, which needs a lot of help, a lot of support. There's a lot of bad neighborhoods and a lot of effort trying to get up. This was in 2000 and imagine then when, and then listening to him and to his advice, you know, and I said, you know what I liked, I liked his values. I liked his advices. I think I should be, yeah, I should be more because I love people. That's why I went into medicine too. And I love to communicate and, uh, share ideas, uh, uh but my political experience was really like zero at that point, And I did not like politicians. I thought at that point that some of them or many of them, they, they were corrupt. And, and it was always two types. So I understood from him that, you know, there's two types of people in politics, those who give and those who take. And again, I was very involved in politics after President Obama first election in 2008. I, I was in the embassy. I voted for him. I told people to vote for him. I did not sleep that night uh, because of the time difference. I waited the whole night till six thirty, seven a.m. in the morning when oh, I wow. got there. Yes, and then the results were President Obama won. I cried that that day in the morning, oh. and I felt like I was so euphoric. You know, I was so happy, and I said, "Wow, our country is a great country. Like, look, we have President Obama now. He's uh, he's gonna be a great president uh, with all the odds that he has to go through in his life." Uh, being raised by a single mother with an African American background and, and I, really, I really was very optimistic in 2008 so, so listening to his speech yes we can and, 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 and you know explaining to us uh, you know, how hope should always prevail and that's his rhetoric and guess what we have no choice we always have to be on the right side of history mm-hmm. be progressive mm-hmm. Get involved, increase awareness, believe in, in, in God and believe in our values, uh, you know, and convictions, you know, we, we, we learn while we're growing up as children. And this is basically the, the this is my message and his message and other positive people's message, because we do not need anachronistic ideas, uh, values of hate, uh, denigrating each other, uh, denigrating democracy. Uh, relying on, on fake news and uh, and saying, you know, COVID-19 pandemic is phony. Uh, so we have to believe in in, in in our system. We have to believe in science. And, and this is what's going to save us uh, as, as a nation and as, uh, as individuals. So uh, that's basically why I went into politics. Another thing was like really interesting and made me really get involved in politics. I was upset when, President Obama, uh, you know, could not really push for his agendas, his progressive agendas, a great uh, man with a great edu- edu- educational background. He, he was, you know, uh, people, you know, the Republicans, they were fighting him left and right, tagging him with names, attacking his agenda, uh, shutting down the government. Uh, it became personal at that point. And then I start writing letters to GOP, uh, uh Senate uh, congressman I even wrote a letter to Boehner and then he was uh, crying after two weeks. I thought maybe my letter did that so I was so proud you know <laughs> so that he he resigned <laughs> I mean. Maybe I don't know. I'm not saying it did, yeah, but maybe I helped. You know, let's say that because my letter was really <laughs> it came from the heart. You know, and then and then and then I said a lot of words. You know, talking about healthcare and 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 why we should support our president, why we should support our Affordable Care Act because there is no security in life. Anybody is prone to sickness. Enough is enough. We have to help each other as 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 Americans, uh, as private citizens, as as human beings. And, and, and again, I, after that, I started after the summit, then I had, uh, I was lucky. I'm blessed not only to high five president Obama. We started uh, like a correspondence relationship. So he was like my mentor somehow, in addition to like sending, I sending him letters, you know, sharing my views. And he, I was surprised that he answered me being a great president who listened to grassroots, uh, you know, uh, supporters and, 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 and even like normal people, private citizens. And he always mm-hmm. used to say being a private citizen is the most important job in your life. And I understand that because yes, we can, if we come together. As one, uh, nation, uh, one group of people who believe in values, the universal values, this is called what president Obama calls it, the universal values, love your neighbor. Uh, be honest, uh, go to work, uh, keep your integrity, keep your material compass. And this is my idea. My idea in politics is going to be giving to the community, giving back to my country that I love uh, dearly. And I always think America is not only a country, it's an idea, an idea of people coming together to form people that they were like underserved, they were dispossessed, they, they left their countries of origin, Famine, wars, uh, economic hardship—you name it—and this nation is made again of slaves who did not come here; they were they were forced to join uh, this uh, nation uh, four hundred years. And then we have we have the 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 Emancipation Proclamation. We have the Civil War. Then we suffered during the early twentieth century until civil rights in nineteen sixties. And I always say this. When I want to talk about President Obama and, and after celebrating the Black History Month uh, last month, I always w- want to reminisce a great leader uh, and a great man from our nation, uh, Dr. King, who, who in 1963 had a dream. He had a dream. And, and if he had a dream in 1963, I say I'm going to use Yes, We Can here. Yes, we can make that dream reality. However, this dream is not going to be real unless we understand these values that we all share as uh, Americans, no matter what the background, and then as a human being. So basically, this is my message going back uh, to you. And if you have any questions uh, I'd like to answer because we're going to talk about healthcare, being a doctor, we're going to talk about creating jobs, or you want it to continue? It's up to you, Victoria.
0: Well, let's dive into your platform okay. of healthcare. Of, um,
1: okay. All those right. things
0: are on. So by you being a physician, um, MD, how is healthcare in the state of Virginia?
1: I got you. I got you. I'll tell you what. Uh, again, being a medical doctor, a physician who served, in Virginia, and by the way, Virginians they are great people. They value honesty, integrity, and hard work. You know, when I talk to them, when I talk to Virginians' values that we share together, which is integrity, honesty, and hard work, uh, when I talk to the people of my district, I hear their concerns. Uh, healthcare is always on the, on the top of their list. You know, as a medical mm-hmm. doctor, mm-hmm. as a regional medical director, And as a doctor who served abroad, I gave top quality health care to all my patients, regardless, again, of their background. I mentioned this. I gave uh, services to ambassadors, diplomats, uh, veterans, retirees, hardworking Virginians, and inmates, and and correction uh, officers, and employees. My plan always going to be a humanitarian plan. That's the compass I'm going to follow in my life. Want affordable, top-quality healthcare. They want that. It's not rocket right. science. Why? Because wh- why? Mm-hmm. Because there's no securities in life. We all, all of us, we need that care. You know, when I used to defend affordable care action, I used to tell people it's not fair that a father of four he has to make a decision between putting uh, food on the table or buying healthcare for his family. And, and that's why I was excited by, by uh, President Obama's Affordable Care Act uh, in the last decade, right? But even President Obama said, okay, this is not the best deal, but this is the best that we can do at this point. So I always want to build on that and try to improve health care, regardless of, of what's the plan going to be. It could be Medicare for all, or it could be a, a, a different plan. However, we have to remember that healthcare is going to be fixed at the local level, which we just have to, I will do my best basically to bring people together, creating a local committee in my district uh, to start in my district and then it's gonna be contagious and goes to different district. A local committee to research all the scientific facts and data that you know we collect by listening to our patients, constituents, doctors, and nurses. So all this will be done while we're trying to reach a plan that can get our citizens top quality again and affordable medical care that they need. I will I will fight hard to make sure that the current status quo of our healthcare system is fixed and a smooth transition plan will be implemented while we are moving our healthcare plan forward toward a better affordable top quality healthcare plan for all of us. Uh, you know. Also, after healthcare, you know, when I talk to my constituents, you know, I listen to them. And parents, they want politicians to focus on creating jobs locally, special, especially in rural America, uh, so that their children mm-hmm. will stay close to home. You know, we cannot say, you know, we're just not going to ignore rural America anymore. We're not going to divide America between urban and rural. We're going to do our best to create jobs locally, and we need to build the infrastructure for that so that people can stay close to their communities and and they grow with their parents. They don't have to leave to different city or different state. Uh, That's why I think we need to ask Congress to prioritize regulating broadband internet and to fight tooth and nail in building a solid infrastructure that suits the 21st century in developed economies, so that Virginians can flourish, progress, and participate in our robust American economy in general. You know, I know that small businesses are the economic backbone of Virginians with the congressional district and any economy. I will work closely with, the, with and support small businesses by creating a small business committee to focus on small business issues. I also strongly support the Davis-Bacon prevailing wage act and the building and construction trades unions. Project labor agreements are good for our community and ensure quality work on construction projects. So, this is basically for a better my 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 my, uh, my plan for uh, a better Virginian economy and and, and plan. Uh, uh, to, 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 to be able to get a job, you need to get the, the right public education. Uh, you know, talking about the uh, OFA, I remember about the time, maybe you were with us on that call, when uh, I was with the Obama for America. You know, we had a grassroots, you know, leaders, a, a conference called Vice President Biden, then Joe Biden, a great man, and I'm glad he's president. Uh, I love his achievements so far. Uh, You know, when he discussed the plans uh, President Obama laid out in the State of the Union 2015, uh, it was a call basically maybe one week or two weeks after that State of the Union speech. I reminisce uh, Vice President Biden then giving us his take on what we can all do to help uh, and achieve public education progress in our beloved America and I, I, I remember him telling us about times when high school was not free in this country and it was not available to the poor and rural Americans. This was new info to me. And, and that was like uh, 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 shocking info. Again, that's etched into my mind. And, and I was like, oh my God, you know, how could this be, right? And then he said, a lot of folks like us, the grassroots, uh, basically volunteers and leaders, worked hard until we got free high school for everyone. So I wanna make sure that every child in every public school receives not only the funds needed, regardless of zip code or income, but also a course of civics, not twice a year, twice in his lifetime as, as a student. Every year, I wanna teach them about government and law
0: Uh so that
1: they do not Uh break the law and waste their future. You know, I think it should be done every year till our children reaches early uh, adulthood so that they can fathom the negative predicament of their immature actions. And this will give them the best education and good character so that they stay out of trouble and jails to become good private citizens and succeed in life prospectively. You know, we all
0: should church... go ahead. Let me let me help you I'll be right there, uh, because I do have a question since you brought up rural communities. Um, let's let's go back to healthcare for a minute, but it all is uh, uh falls in line together. So how are those in those rural communi- communities able to access hospitals and clinics since there's been like mass closings of those facilities all over the country? I
1: mean during the COVID nineteen pandemic or
0: even prior to that, we saw uh, hospitals and clinics being closed in rural areas. I got you. Uh, yes, I understand. Yes. So, that,
1: you know, that, right.
0: Yeah. So how are, uh, 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 will they be able to access those uh, facilities? Great
1: question. And I tell you the answer.
0: Or are, there any, are you even seeing that in Virginia? I mean, you tell I've, me if I've that's even that. happening I've seen there.
1: that in Virginia. I've seen it in Washington, D.C. You know, when, when D.C. general closed, right, if you remember, uh, it was in the news, national news. And then I've seen that in Ohio. You know, I did my residency in Ohio and I worked in Ohio for two years as a director for community health services. So we're going to have uh, something called budgeting for, for healthcare, and And this budgeting will be basically we're going to make sure that no hospital, we need to build hospitals and not close hospitals. We need to cure hearts and cure diseases. We need to fight pandemics, right, before they come. I remember, President Obama fought the Ebola. I was, I was, you know, with OFA that time, and we, we had uh, uh, confabs with President Obama, and he was telling us how bad Ebola was and how they succeeded collaborating with the World Health Organization, collaborating and creating, uh, like, a, a crisis management healthcare uh, a, a team in the White House that was cancelled by President Trump, and unfortunately we lost 530,000 US American citizens to this pandemic because of lack of planning. So in healthcare, you have to have the funds, the planning, and you wanna make sure that you have community health centers, which saves a lot of money uh, to to healthcare by 500 million, basically uh, in, in, in the state of Ohio, having community health centers, right? giving service to uh, through Medicaid or Medicare, serving the underserved, uh, making sure they don't get sick, uh, preventing diseases. Uh, So it's a closed system. It's a big puzzle. We don't have a magic rod to fix that. However, we have to connect all the dots and make sure all work in harmony. But the main thing we're going to do as doctors and as politicians and government, do no harm, meaning you cannot close hospitals. No way we're going to cut, make cuts to Medicare. It's a no-no. And we want to make sure we have enough uh, funds for all healthcare programs. Now, if we're going to change the whole plan, people say Medicare for all, or maybe a, a Medicare for all with opt-in, opt-out, no matter what, it's going to be, a, a, it's gonna be a, a, a difficult process, uh, creating committees and using data. So we want to do that because we all cherish our children. That's why we have to support hospitals, not only hospitals. We have to support public schools and increase fundings, going back to education. And uh, this will lead working professionals. You know, if we support public schools, working professionals will come to our state or any state in rural areas Mm -hmm. and join our communities. And they will push companies to invest in Virginia, in Tennessee, in North Carolina, South Carolina, but in district five, my district, which is the biggest district in Virginia. So my collective approach is to focus on education that will give our children a chance to pursue their dreams here in Virginia. Moreover, this will help our teachers as well. We do not want to forget, you know, most of the convictions we learn in life as children comes from parents and teachers. And we must pay and respect our children's teachers. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly, exactly, because they
1: mold our children's character Mm -hmm. with convictions, as I said, that will stay with them for life. So I believe in the goals of the Virginia Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers, AFL-CIO. So I will be focused on helping the next generation in a way that makes college more affordable. This will lead to mitigation of loans that will not crush students with debt for years, right, after they graduate and end up not paying loans back. At the same time, we need a compromise that makes sense and is fiscally responsible. This could be done in a way that students can earn money for college while studying by giving them training for jobs in public service high-tech research and Peace Corps. So I've, I've been there. I've dealt with Peace Corps. I've dealt with, uh, uh, you know, high-tech research companies, uh, you know, friends in California. Uh, I've been with the public service and the government, with the State Department, the Department of Defense, the Department of Justice. And I understand these government uh, systems. Uh, so, so it's going to be a collective okay. effort. And then we're going to talk about... Uh, Public here, uh, public education, and probably the thing that we're gonna go and talk about is uh, equality and all Virginia family farmers, Uh, since farming is a very important part in Virginia before going into equality. So we need to protect our farmers because the butters of Virginia agriculture and the cornerstone of our commonwealth economy and community. Uh, I will support farmers with the energy efficiency investments, protecting their crops and produce by protecting trade and opening new markets. You know, because farmers are contributing to our Commonwealth economy, and no farmer should be left behind. We need to support innovative approaches to agricultural supporting producers and diversifying their operations, their crops that are grown in Virginia like hay, cotton, wheat, peanuts, barley, tomatoes, potatoes, snap beans, cucumber, sweet corn, apples, and grapes, in addition to greenhouse and nursery products, soybean and tobacco. So we have to fund low-interest loans to support beginners in farming and help them in a way to include them in the Medicaid expansion program, which is a great program that uh, included inmates uh, in prisons and jail, and it was... A great land because, remember, there are people who are in a, were in a limbo before Medicaid expansion in Virginia. These are the people who are waiting to get their sentence uh, before going to prison or jail. And while waiting, they don't have any insurance. They're not going to be covered for medical services. Uh, they have to pay out of pocket. Uh, and, and that's a sad story that people are going to be waiting in a limbo. So Medicaid expansion program in Virginia helped those type of people. Lastly, we should inspire a new generation of young people to participate in farming programs you know, and education so they have opportunities to stay close to home again, to farm locally and support our rural communities. Uh, so again, supporting farmers is very important. And, and, and this will take me to, to go and talk about equality. And, and, and today, uh, we are celebrating you know, uh, International Women's Day. And I, I reminisce, uh, 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 Secretary Clinton uh, used to say, if, if women's rights are human rights, and human rights are women's rights. It's exactly correct, She's Exactly on point here. So that all men are born equally free and independent, and have certain inherent natural rights, of which they cannot by any compact deprive or divest their posterity among which are the enjoyment of life and liberty with the means of acquiring and possessing property and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. This is a quote from George Mason, a draft of Article I of the Virginia Declaration of Rights, which then became uh, our independence and declaration. I spent my career Again, providing quality health care to, to, to diplomats, retirees, hard-working Virginians. And equality, oh, basically, oh, and humanitarian, humanitarian compass was my compass. Again, I treated patients with full compassion, regardless of crime committed, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, or religious affiliation. So my experience in my medical field will be reflected in my plan. Again, that is a humanitarian plan. With a humanitarian compass. To me, every American is an American regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, or disappointment. I will focus on seeking pay equality and increase the minimum wage. I'm gonna focus on criminal justice reform and women equality. You know, I have a suggestion here. You know, we hear about Black Lives Matters, Blue Lives Matters. I suggest that police yeah. on duty yeah. should not only have cameras on but also should get adequate training educating our police inductees so that they continue to do a great job. However, sometimes we have exceptions that is manifested as institutional racism an ailment that manifests itself in housing, healthcare, education and even voting rights, right? This is a great concern for me, and to me, and to all Americans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you know. Remember, we were with OFA, me and you, colleagues. Organizing for Action is a nonprofit, nonpartisan, right grassroots movements. Now it's called All Correct. on the Line. All on the Line now is under the behest of Attorney General, uh, past Attorney General uh, Eric, yeah Holder, great Eric man. Hope. And then we we had we had with him many times. Mm-hmm. And voting rights is very important. Our our colleagues, you know, the other party, the Republican Party, they're fighting tooth and nail to 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 denigrating to our democracy. Uh, the, the 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 person I'm running against, his name is Bob Good. And his values are anachronistic mm-hmm. mm-hmm. values, radical values. He did not only say that COVID-19 pandemic is fake and phony, a giving speech. Okay, in public, not wearing a mask after 500,000 Americans died, putting our private citizens' lives in danger. He also supported the Trump mob that invaded our capital, putting our elected officials' lives in danger and denigrating our democracy. Again, this is a great concern.
0: Now, did he vote against... Didn't he vote against, uh, uh, saying that the uh, right. election yes. was... Yes, um, vo- not, not only legitimate. that, he
1: told one of his, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think he, he has to answer to us about this. If he told any of his like uh, employees uh, to go and share and protest with these protesters, the mob that invaded our capital, an event that did not happen since uh, 1840. Now, back to all on the line. This grassroots organization that fights for equality, right? Civil rights and improving the voting process. I'm still with them, believe it or not, because we all share, like, you know, the values. We stay connected, we increase awareness. This is the organization that sprang out from Organizing for Action. Uh, and, 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 and I told you this is under the behest of Pastor Obama Administrator General Eric Holder, which he needs a lot of help and support. So if anybody's listening to me, Go and join all on the line. And this is a great organization, non-profit, non-partisan, that deals with uh, voting rights, which is very important to our democracy and to all of us. I will do my best to ensure that we implement protection for all classes of Americans, the underserved and the suppressed, so that we can gain equality with other Americans toward an ever brighter tomorrow. I will make sure that our bills of rights are protected, and fight when our system fails us. This system will fail us only if we forget our. As I'm going to use a French word here, for for they say like forgive for, forgive my French, our raison d'être, which is like the reason for our nation to exist as a nation, when we forget our universal values and rights. Furthermore, I will fight the greed of corporations and those on the top 1% and other special interests. So to me, uh, bills of right equality is sacred. And it is the buttress of my plan, basically. Uh, now, finishing that, I'm just going to talk about the environment. I think we still have 15 minutes. Uh, and I thank you for your time.
0: Yes, but before you get into Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, but before you uh dive into the environment and climate change, I do have a question in regards to criminal justice reform. Uh, mm-hmm. since talked we about the suppressed and those less fortunate, do you or would you support ending cash uh, bail?
1: Yeah, I'm back. Yes. So the question was, you want well, me to asking uh, what to-
0: was your plan for criminal justice reform, and do you support or would you support uh ending cash bail?
1: Yes. You know why? I mean, just to give you a small background about this, there's five people in the U.S. jails today that have not been convicted of a crime, right? This amounts to half a million people sitting in jails each day, despite the fact that they are legally innocent of the crime with which they have been charged. All right. So in effect, the cash bail system, it criminalizes poverty, you know. Our people who are unable to afford bail, right, are de- detained while they await trial for weeks or even months. So cash bail perpetuates in- inequities in the justice system. That's why I'm against it. So it's a it's a it's a it's a simple uh, basically answer. Uh, but but again, I want to talk about the, you know, the criminal justice system. I want to bring one point that. To fight it, we have to fight not only the, uh, the, 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 the system, just the causes that lead people to, 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 to not understanding law and getting basically convicted. Remember my, my plan about the civics. Also, we have to support and increase funds to these public offenders that basically overwhelm taking many cases. They don't study the, the, the case very well, and then they go and defend people without knowing the cases. So it all depends on your luck and uh, on the judge who is judging you. So that's right. another problem that we right. have to look into, into. And the third thing, of course, is, is recidivism uh, and, and how we can decrease, you know, people like coming and going back to jail by increasing awareness education. So again, it's like a, it's a puzzle of many pieces. So and, and we cannot ignore these facts that leading to, to, to this dilemma in our country.
0: But don't you think oh. job training uh, is missing as well?
1: In the, uh, you mean in it, jails?
0: It not, it, well, yes, because when you're released from prison, jail, you're thrown back into society. Well, what if the inmate doesn't have uh, the required job skills? They want to work or what have you. But it seems like uh, this country is missing job training programs. It's like they're becoming exactly elite now
1: right job training right and 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 not only education now in virginia with the department of corrections i tell you the issue with our system there is the prisons which goes to under the department of corrections state department of corrections mm-hmm. and there's the jails which goes for uh, under uh, you know the Department of justice or it's a federal uh, basically entity and they like collaborate with each other sometimes you have it someone in jail end up going to prisons and, 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 and there's a transition period, as I told you, like, uh, while, while, while people waiting sentences, right. And then you, you ask me that question and it's, it's the whole system basically needs improvement. But again, it's going to depend on education, job training, funding, and, and working in harmony and collaborating with all these departments. Uh, Yes, so it's like criminal justice is like is a dilemma Again, we have uh, racism, and I talked about that in, in our institutions mm-hmm. uh, so it's, we don't have a magic rod, but we have to keep talking about this, increasing right. awareness,
0: uh, right. talking
1: to the right people while in, while in Congress. I know these problems. I mean, I listen to this uh, to the horrible stories, uh, and some inmates because I treated them with full compassion, they mm-hmm. tell me stories and, and I have a lot of stories to share, but uh, due to the uh, time limit, we're just going to uh, 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 talk about this, maybe leave this to a different time where we can talk only about one subject uh, because okay. there's a lot of issues. There's 12 issues I want to talk about. And now That's talking weird. about the environment, uh, okay. which is Mother Earth, right? Protecting the yep. environment. It's our right home. climate change. I always talked about that like 10 years ago. Now I'm glad we have a lot of activists with OFA, we used to talk a lot about change, and I should, I should thank President Obama for putting that top priority on his agenda uh, by joining Paris Agreement, right? And then Trump, anachronistic agenda, he left Paris Agreement and now, thank God, we have President Biden back in the White House. So I feel like safe. Uh, now okay. he's, uh, he's achieving basically what we already achieved or reachieving. It's, 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 uh, uh, we haven't seen this scenario still when the president comes and tries, uh, you know, President Trump tries to erase President Obama's legacy, but he couldn't because President Obama was on the right side of history. We all know that, and the, the global the international community knows that. And any scientific, smart, uh, intellectual, normal citizen who understand that we, planet Earth is our only home, you know? And the window of opportunities to fight climate change is now. It was five years ago and still now. So the fight of the decade is again, fighting pandemics, protecting the environment and fighting, you know, and protecting our mother earth planet, uh, by, 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 by following policies that, you know, support climate change agenda, basically. So my agenda will pursue a collective collaboration with focusing on real problems that our people are currently facing. And it will not have a divisive agenda, as I mentioned, between a partisan agenda and will not be a dividing tool for our people along partisan lines. My main concern, again, is climate change, which is real. Our planet, Mother Earth, is calling us to action. We have to do something because of this threat, not only for economic and national security issues, but also for this existential threat to all humanity We live through our children. This is why I want our government to, this is my issue before electing President Biden. I wanted my government to rejoin the Paris Accord and thank God we rejoined. Yes. And I want to make sure now we rejoin that prospectively, no president can withdraw from such a global treaty because this will affect all of us and future progeny. Climate change is reversible. We know that since it's man-made. This was proven. Now, again, if you think about the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, how bad it was. However, having a, a shutdown in airports and, and CO2 production, right? Causing our, the, the, this caused our ozone layer to close after we closed factors and decreased CO2 production, right? We know that and we still have a window of opportunity to act. There is a risk also of rising sea levels in our Commonwealth, Virginia. We have seashores. A reason for us to talk about mass migration out of low-lying and coastal zones. We have to do everything we can to mitigate these effects. Moreover, protecting our riverbeds, our crops, and farmers by building dams on flood zone areas. So we need to invest in research and alternative energy resources. We have to learn how we can get serious about the transition off, of fossil fuels and change our energy infrastructure. Mm-hmm. This will also open a window for new alternative energy job opportunities for the young, right? So climate change, while fighting climate change, we're going to use it as an incentive tool to open research and creating new jobs in alternative energy job research and opportunities. So we should transform the climate change threat and use it to our advantage so that it will be an economic incitement based on scientific recommendations. And I was a geologist. Part of it is environment, paleontology and climatology and old, old climates. So I know about that and climate change. Our mission and agenda should increase awareness about this existential threat so that we Virginians and Americans can mitigate the economic and environmental devastation that climate change will bring to our country, our state, and our planet. Uh, So this is about... Do you have any questions about climate uh, change?
0: No, I think you've covered that pretty well. Very Thank you. Yes, you did.
1: You heard about it with OFA, right, for the last 10 years. Right,
0: exactly. Yes, yes. Okay, so my last question to you is... Um. Why should Virginians vote for you? Are you there? Hello. I'm with you. Okay. Um, I don't know if you heard my question. Um, I said, why should Virginians vote for you?
1: Okay. Why should Virginians vote for me? It's the question be- that says why I'm running, basically, they should vote for me because I was raised in a war zone. I had experience as a medical doctor, uh, known by my peers as a compassionate, humanitarian doctor, who also was uh, awarded by, by American Health Council. Uh, it's, it's, it's an award that I'm very proud to get, uh, representing Virginia in 2017, from the American Health Council Council based in New York. Uh, I, that give me, a, you know, a lifetime membership with the American Health Council. We deal with healthcare and we have a lot of seminars discussing uh, prospective plans. They should vote for me.
0: You faded out. Can you
1: hear me? For me, because of my What I share with with a lot of folks, including President Obama, a child who transformed his life uh, from war zone, destruction, havoc and destruction, and futile wars into a very productive life, Uh, a medical doctor, a humanitarian who cares about humanity and cares about uh, America, my country, and cares about planet Earth, a geologist who did a lot of research on environment and geologic, basically, stratigraphy. Uh, I know science uh, with my scientific background. I'm running, I, I believe in ideas and hope that will prevail over fear. I believe in science, not like my, my opponents, who with his anachronistic agenda and tribal thinking, and, 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 and radical, a uh, plan, and that's obvious. Uh, in supporting uh, uh, Trump's mob, uh, uh, he supported uh, uh, you know falsehoods and fake news against science. They so it's gonna be it's gonna come to this. My idea is a scientific idea of hope, collective thought, productivity, and science fighting fighting uh, pandemics fighting uh, hardships, uh, fighting for our planet, versus someone who is uh, taking us to medieval times, relying on fake news, on tribals, uh, uh, tribal ideas, and fear. Using fear, a fear-monger versus me, who always preach for hope and an ever tomorrow. So th- I always kept people in my mind, and I always tried my best. You know, when it's going to come to, I dealt with life and death decisions, uh, situations as a medical doctor. As a diplomat, I also dealt, I've seen corruption. I worked with the with different uh, branches of the U.S. government uh, as a volunteer with the Veteran Affairs Services, with the Department of Defense and Veteran Services, uh, the Department of Justice, the Department of Corrections, and the Department of States as a diplomat. Uh, I speak many languages. And the one thing really I care about is America. I want to protect this country because if you look what's going on around us the, the world is not, a, is not basically a, 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 a. Can you
0: hear me? You faded out. Can you hear me? Okay. okay. So
1: I just want to say um, I'm going to use soft mm-hmm. diplomacy I'm going to support Public education, I'm going to support peace, create job, jobs, I will fight for justice and equality for all. That's why they have to vote for me. And I thank you for your time. Uh, I spoke my mind. I spoke my issues. Thank you for your uh, shared, shared values. And I'm looking forward to meeting you again.
0: Absolutely. And two things before I let you go. One, are you currently recruiting volunteers for your campaign?
1: Yes, uh, that's a good question. Uh, we we have already uh, a, a good team. We have interns from University of Virginia, from Virginia, some from other states. They joined us. Uh, they have anybody who will join our campaign. Uh, we have a, a national democratic strategist. We have uh, a grassroots analytic uh,
0: You have what? Can you repeat that? You're faded out. Hello?
1: We have a, a National Democratic Strategist. We already have a yes. from the University of Virginia, from the state of Virginia, and uh, uh-huh. we have from other states. Anybody who will join our, our, our campaign needs to fill an application. Uh, they can send a, a, a questionnaire to info at A-Y-Y-A-S. 2022.com uh, we send them back the application we will launch our uh, website soon uh, we finished the draft we're going to launch our video we have a, a great team grassroots analytics we have a, a polling team and uh, we are basically looking forward we're having a professional campaign uh, and hopefully we're going to win we started early because congressional district 5 Needs a lot of work, needs a lot of uh, awareness, increase awareness to voters, and hopefully we're going to win. And uh, maybe next time I see you or be with you, I'll be in Congress uh, uh, fulfilling Absolutely. the
0: promise. Congressman, <laughs> Congressman. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and lastly, uh, if folks want to donate to your campaign, because funds are important to run an operation, so how can uh, they donate or where should they send their
1: money exactly they they uh, to donate basically they can go on twitter they check uh, they go at is 2022 and they check the uh, there's a website is 2022.com that will take them to donation until we open our uh, our website to everybody uh again they can mail checks uh there's there's like they follow the link and please straightforward. forward all the information and is there your
0: twitter handle? What is your Twitter, Twitter handle?
1: It's at AYYAS2022.com. At AYYAS2022.com. Right. Correct.
0: And
1: they, they can do that on Facebook as well. And my uh, Facebook page is my first name, Shadi. Last name, AS. MD for Congress. VA5, so they see that on Facebook. From Twitter, they can go to Facebook as well. So, But the easy one is Twitter. I ask 2022.com.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Shadi, for coming on again. I truly appreciate it. And I'll have you back uh, to give us an update on how the campaign is uh, growing and going. Mm -hmm. And uh, talk about more issues. Because we know during midterms, there's always a low turnout. So we really want to drive uh, voters out uh, in 2022. So thank you again. And uh, we'll be in contact. Thank now. you
1: so much. Have a good, good evening or good night. Take thank care. You. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: so much for tuning in to simply grand's podcast today make sure you tune in each thursday for new episodes and you can follow simply grand on facebook and instagram at simply grand grandparents see you next week